You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Labor Day, Monday, September 6th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Patrick Murphy. Pat, let's look back first on the Minnesota game. We'll look ahead to Oregon, and we'll look at some other college football action from this past weekend. Let's start with the Minnesota game. Ohio State 45, Minnesota 31 on Thursday. Feels like it was a long time ago now. You know, a lot of people have said this might be like a, you know, kind of was a bad win for Ohio State. I just remind people the point spread was 14. The Buckeyes won by 14. It wasn't a great win. I feel like it was kind of a neutral win. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad win. It wasn't a great win. It was kind of a neutral win. Just your overall thoughts on that game. Yes, yeah, Steve Hellwagen and I talked a lot afterwards on our uh, show that obviously we did pretty late that night um, from the stadium. And, and just about, you know, the, the, this win is something to build on for Ohio State, uh, you know, just in terms of the, you know, Steve went through and counted the number of freshmen or first-time starters that played, that started even, um, and, you know, just just how inexperienced this Buckeye group really was. And I think that's something to keep in mind. Um, you know, would you have liked to see this team come out, and, and I know we'll get to this later, but come out and look like Alabama did on Saturday? Yeah, of course. That would have been great to see them just pound Minnesota, and, and for a little bit it looked like that's what was going to happen. But, you know, Minnesota, as we talked about going into the game – a veteran team, a team that wasn't going to get rattled by Ohio State getting up 10-0. They, they weren't scared of the Buckeyes. And, you know, I think you saw that. And a young Buckeye team had to navigate those waters and kind of figure out how to, how to play a college football game um, on the road in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, I think credit goes to, to Ryan Day, and I wrote this yesterday. Credit goes to Ryan Day for managing the game, you know, keeping C.J. Stroud composed. But I think a lot of it needs to go to the leader's and some of the guys who stepped up and made plays, you know, the offensive line, the wide receivers, um, you know, some of those more experienced guys on defense, you know, even a guy like Taraja Mitchell, who hasn't played a ton of football, um, but, uh, you know, kind of led that defense, I thought. So, um, yeah, like you said, it's it's kind of a neutral win, but I think you're feeling a lot better than than fans would have been if, if maybe in that third quarter when people were starting to get a little nervous, um, at least on social media, that's how it seemed. You know, I think you started 1-0. And now you have things to fix. And that's exactly what Ryan Day said. They're going to look at the film and this team's going to improve. There are things I like about the back seven, some of the youth. I think Cody Simon's a future stud. I think Denzel Burke, you know, to add to what you were saying about some of the freshmen, I thought Denzel Burke for a true freshman played as well as you could expect for a true freshman to play, especially at corner when you're exposed out there. I mean, you're going to make mistakes. Same thing for Ryan Watts, even though he's a redshirt freshman. I, I thought he played really well. I'm excited about those guys. Still, though, they're so young. Um, this back seven is a concern. It's a big concern of mine. Your thoughts? I agree. Um, again, not to continue to harp on the, the Alabama train, uh, but, you know, I, I mentioned this on, uh, on the show, Steve and I did, you know, last year when Alabama came out with the young secondary against Missouri, I think they gave up similar passing yards in the opening game, you know, a big 10 or a conference game on the road. 
And that secondary got better and better throughout the year. And that's going to be the key for Ohio State. Um, you know, we heard last year or this offseason that there just wasn't the time to improve, especially in that back, back end of the defense. And now it'll be up to Kerry Combs. And I know people are, are questioning what, uh, you know, what he can do as a defensive coordinator. Now's the time he's got to show that, Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes, to get these players better. And obviously, you know, no Seven Banks, no Cameron Brown. We'll see what happens with those guys in terms of their availability this week. But, you know, the young guys are going to play. I think we can say that even if Seven Banks and Cam Brown are back um, and, and they have to get better. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Last year, the secondary didn't improve to the level it needed to throughout the course of the season, but you only played six games and didn't get to practice a lot. This year, you've got a normal season, we, we think, knock on wood. And, uh, you know, the, the improvements have to happen. And, you know, you've seen it at Ohio State before. Generally, it's not two freshman cornerbacks out there. It's usually one less experienced guy with a, a Denzel Ward, a Marshawn Lattimore, whoever it is. Um, but, you know, we've seen guys get better. So we know this can happen. Um, you know, I'm not willing to write off Kerry Combs just yet. I want to see what he does this year. But you're right. It, it didn't – what we saw on or Thursday night did not alleviate any of my concerns about the secondary. But I want to see it kind of full, uh, you know, all of its parts – and as guys continue to develop before I'm really willing to say, hey, you know, uh, this is a serious problem for Ohio State and, and maybe changes are needed. We'll know a lot more after this week. If, it's, yeah. uh, if, they, if they can do well against Oregon, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, it'll be like, okay, you know, maybe we got something here. Uh, if they struggle again, that's going to be a sample size of two games, which in football is not that small of a sample size when you play 12 games. You're one sixth right. of your way through the season at that point. This is not baseball. So we'll know a lot more after this week. But I will say this before we move on to the Oregon game. This offense is elite like we thought it would be. This offense is elite, and they had their struggles – I love that Ryan Day stuck with the game plan. I give him a lot of credit for that. It's really easy to say you're going to stick with the game plan no matter what. Then you're on the road. It's raining. You're losing. It's the second half. You got a rookie quarterback out there. It's really easy then to just run the ball, you know, but he stuck with the game plan, and I give Ryan Day a lot of credit. I love this offense. C.J. Stroud is going to get better and better and better, just like you're talking about the young DBs are going to get better and better and better, and he could not be in a better situation with this O-line, these running backs, these wide receivers, of course, tight end. I'm still very, very bullish on this offense. Agreed. Um, you know, I think the CJ Stroud struggles were probably more than we expected, but I think everyone knew that there were going to be some of those, you know, I mean, the talk going in, I don't know how many times I wrote this off season has not thrown a pass in a college game. I mean, that that's a real thing, um, you know, to, to look around the country and see some of the other quarterbacks that made their first starts or their first, um, you know, real starts as, as the starter, uh, you know, I, I just look back at their experiences that they had last year and CJ Stroud didn't get that. None of the guys got it. So the struggles, you know, weren't, weren't exactly what I expected. I think that he needs to show that he's the guy in games. Um, and, and in terms of making some of the throws, getting his feet set, uh, you know, things like that, the, the fundamental stuff needs to get better. And now he has game film to work on. And he made the comment after the game, and this was about, you know, taking, taking a big hit, but, you know, he hadn't been hit in a football game or really in practice because they don't hit the quarterbacks in practice in over a year. So, you know, that pass rush and things like that, all of a sudden it was real and he hadn't dealt with that, um, you know, but just talking offense in general, obviously the receivers, the offensive line were great. I really credit Ryan Day and, and Tony Alford for deciding to go with the two running backs that seem to be the, the top two running backs on this, on this depth chart, I've said it over and over again. I think Master Teague is going to have a role on this team. But, uh, you know, until the game was was settled, 
it was just the Mayan Williams with a little bit of Travion Henderson sprinkled in. And I could do with some more Travion Henderson in that mix. But as I wrote on, on Twitter at halftime, those are the two guys that need to touch the ball the most. Um, if you want to use Master Teague and Marcus Crowley in certain situations, I think that that's fine. But to me, those are your two running backs um, and, and figure out how to keep other guys happy because they clearly look, you know, one game, but they clearly look the most talented in terms of uh, who, who should be touching the ball in the backfield. We've been saying it throughout the offseason, now into the season here on the Bucknuts Morning 5, the two best running backs on this team in whatever order, and I'm still not sure which order, Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. I just know those are the two best, and they complement each other well. And I agree with you. Another thing we've said is Master T is going to have a role on this team. I am glad he is on this team. Like, it's, it's a luxury to have a guy like Master Teague as the third best tailback, if he is, in fact, the third best tailback. All right, as promised, Oregon, let's look ahead. Big noon kickoff this Saturday at the Horseshoe. Buckeyes 14-point favorites. Initially, when they did the offseason lines, it was like 10, 10 and a half, 11, somewhere around there. I figured it would kick up. That's <laughs> So once again, the Buckeyes are favored by 14. That seems a little bit you know too high to me, but I get it, though. Oregon looked, as you pointed out before we started the show, I followed along the, their score against Fresno State, but I did not watch that game. Um, Phil Steele thinks you know Fresno State's going to be pretty good this year, but man, Oregon struggled against Fresno State. So, and Ohio State, you know, again, it was a neutral win over uh, Minnesota. They didn't struggle. They didn't look great. So, I understand why it's ticked up. But fourteen seems like a bit much. Your thoughts on the point spread? Your thoughts on this matchup overall? Yeah, fourteen seems a little high. Um, you know, I, I when I wrote about it yesterday that. I think, you know, obviously this is the same, roughly the same spread as, as the, or I guess it is the same spread as the Minnesota game, but obviously Ohio State's at home. So the odds makers think a little bit more of Oregon, but yeah, I watched that Oregon game this weekend and at times they looked good, uh, you know, up 14-0 in the first quarter. I was like, all right, like I can, I can see this is going to be a fun game next weekend. And then they let Fresno State back into the game. Uh, Fresno State turned the ball over three times, three fumbles. If that doesn't happen, Fresno State probably walks out of uh, out of Eugene with a win. Um, you know, they outgained Oregon 373 yards, 358. It, I, I, once they got some confidence and there was a belief that, you know, hey, we're in this game. We've, we've fought back. Uh, you know, it was, I think, late in the second quarter um, when they really started to, to get back and, and I think kind of rallied at halftime. Oregon looked shocked. Um, they, the the Guys weren't making plays. Uh, you know, I was I was not overly impressed with Oregon. Um, in terms of the game in general this weekend, I think that, you know, again, I think it'll probably play out similarly to the Minnesota game. I think it's a it's a similar game on paper where, you know, you still have a relatively young team. Um, you know, you're going to be at home, so that'll make a big difference. But, you know, especially in the secondary, how does that look? And then, you know, by the end, I think Ohio State's the more talented team, has the better athletes, so I think they pull away. Um, but, you know, I think it'll it'll still be a competitive football game. Um, the thing I'm going to be looking for is, as we touched on with with the issues from the Minnesota game, improvements. Do do those young cornerbacks, if, if they are in fact out there again, are they taking steps? Um, does C.J. Stroud look a bit more comfortable, especially, you know, early on in the game? You know, I don't want to have to see him settle into the game what does the running back stuff look like? Can the, is the offensive line as good once again, um, especially if Kayvon Thibodeau is, is available for this game? Um, so, yeah, you just want to see improvements, the linebacker play. Obviously, I'd like to see the interior of the defensive line look a little bit better. I thought, granted, they're playing a really good running back, but I thought they were, were too big of holes for him to run through at times, um, especially to the left of, of uh, Minnesota center. So that's the big thing for me is, is looking at improvements because I do think Ohio State will be able to handle Oregon. Um, though 
you know, a close win may fire up the ducks and, and like with Ohio state, they're going to look to improve too. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting, I think. Yeah. And the back seven on defense will be under the microscope yep. for sure. Um, Ryan Day, we're going to meet with him tomorrow at noon. And he doesn't like talking about injuries. We know that. But it's out there that seven banks, it's a knee. Like, and whatever, you know, it's been widely reported it's a knee, including by yourself. What do you think he's going to say about when asked about seven banks? And I don't know what's going on with Cam Brown, if it was a COVID thing, if it was an injury. He didn't even make the trip. Seven banks at least made the trip, tried to warm up. Um, we know it's a knee. What do you think Ryan's going to say tomorrow when we talk to him? I assume he will keep things pretty close to the vest um, and say, you know, like he was asked about Harry Miller after the game. Um, obviously that's been rumored to, to be a COVID thing. Uh, but, you know, he just said uh, it's day by day, you know, cause he, well, he was asked more about Luke Weipler and how well he played um, and, you know, then follow up about Harry Miller. But, you know, I imagine we'll get, yeah, you know, we're working on that. We're working on that. But uh, yeah, it was weird with seven. Um, and, and we talked to Steve and I talked about it a little bit. You know, he came out for the team with warmups. He did the individual warmups. And at one point, you know, I'm, wa I'm watching closely these guys and, and I'd heard a little bit that he may be banged up. And so I was paying attention and he just, he just walked over to the sideline and kind of got down on one knee. And I couldn't tell if it was an injury thing or if that was like a, a, a prayer, you know, walking off the sideline after you warm up, but then obviously he didn't go through the team warm up. So, um, you know, he was out there and he was, moving around and, you know, trying to, trying to get going. Um, so, you know, Day said after the game that it, he was there in an emergency capacity, which, you know, tells me he's ahead of, you know, a Cameron Brown or one of the guys who wasn't left at home. And I, from my understanding, Cameron Brown picked up an injury uh, the Sunday before the first game. Um, I'm not sure what, what it was or anything like that, but that's just what I heard. So, you know, it, there, there you go. There you go. Bucknutters, not COVID injury. There you go. Yeah. Patrick Murphy. That, that is my understanding, So, but we'll see. But, uh, yeah, it, it'll be very interesting to see what, what Coach Day says about both guys. Um, you know, I think obviously they would like to have them out there or at least available, um, you know, especially in a big game like this. I did think it was interesting. Ryan Day said, we want to go 1-0 this week, referring to the Minnesota game, 1-0 next week, and then we can come up for air talking about the next two non-conference games. So, uh, you know, I think they, they're going to do whatever they can to get through this one 2-0. And then, uh, you know, I think they, they even are willing to admit that, you know, that's when they can kind of, okay, take it a little bit easier. You know, obviously you, you can't take an opponent lightly if you're the Buckeyes, but uh, take it a little bit easier against those kind of non-Power 5 conference or non-conference opponents after that. All right, big week of college football. Just it being week one was fantastic. I know we had week zero, but this was just fantastic. Wall-to-wall -wall college football. It's not even over yet. We'll have Louisville at, at, and Ole Miss tonight. Um, but it's pretty much over. That's the only game left. Man, what a, a lot of great football. Let's start in the Big Ten. Um, Iowa looked fantastic, 34-6 to six over Indiana. My gosh, I watched a lot of that game. Um, I watched a lot of the, the Penn State game, Penn State, Wisconsin, Slugfest or, or Slopfest, however you want to articulate it. Uh, Penn State, big win for them, 16-10. to 10. I tell you what, I've been saying, I don't think Michigan's going to be very good. They looked really good. And, and, and Western Michigan's going to be one of the best teams in the MAC. I know it's a MAC team, but still – Michigan looked great, 47 to 14. They were only favored by 16 and a half. They doubled that, one by 33. Michigan looked good to me, uh, particularly on defense. I mean, their offense looked good. They had some explosive plays, but, um, you know, Michigan looked good to me. You're just your thoughts from around the Big Ten. Yeah, that Iowa-Indiana game was the, the one I think that caught most people's eye. You know, we've been talking Indiana up all offseason. I even thought they were a little um, undervalued in terms of the when the 
uh, preseason rankings came out, but uh, yeah, that, that team did not look ready to play. You know, I know Michael Penix is coming back from the injury, but you expect him after the season he had last year to, to, you know, take a step forward. I expected this whole Indiana program to take a step forward over the last three years. They've, they've really progressed slowly and, you know, were they going to be a one loss team again this year? I don't know, but uh, I expected them to, to be better than that, but credit to Iowa. Um, and you mentioned the Michigan game. I thought uh, they looked very good too. Uh, you know, I want to see them against a big 10 opponent, but you know, I don't, based on that one game, I don't think they're going to be as bad maybe as, as some people uh, predicted, you know, the, the demise of the program, you know, I know, I know at one point you and I talked about them maybe not even getting over 500 this year. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but that was a very good start for the Wolverines. Um, and I think good for Penn state in terms of the big 10 East, you know, getting that win, um, you know, against, against a good Wisconsin team, <laughs> you would have liked to see a, a little bit better offensive performance by both teams, but uh, you know, it's big 10 football. It's back, baby. And another kind of Big Ten football-ish game was Clemson and Georgia, <laughs> except, <laughs> except Georgia's defense looked like an NFL defense. My goodness gracious, they were flying around. Clemson, 180 total yards for the game on offense, two rushing yards. Clemson finished with two rushing yards. This Georgia defense is legit, but not a lot of offense to write home about. Even Georgia, their one touchdown was a defensive touchdown. It was 0-0. It was almost like the Penn State-Wisconsin game. It almost was 0-0 at halftime, but uh, – Georgia had that pick six to get on the board there at the end of the first half. I don't know, man. I, I don't know what to make. Clemson didn't look very good to me. DJ does not look good. I mean, I, he just – I don't know. And most – when you're playing against an elite defense, you know, it's going to be tough as a quarterback. But uh, your thoughts on Georgia beating Clemson 10-3? to Yeah, that uh, – you know, I, I went into that game. I had a couple people ask me uh, leading in the weekend, you know, from an Ohio State perspective, who do you want to win this game? You know, do you want Clemson to kind of be eliminated and – or, you know, not eliminated. They're playing a good team, but, and I, I really didn't have a good answer, um, a good feel to, to what way you should cheer in that game. But yeah, I think if you're an Ohio state fan, you feel okay about CJ Stroud, given what you saw, you know, those quarterbacks do um, you, you mentioned really good defense. I thought it was interesting. Um, our Josh Pate, uh, I know who you work with quite a bit at two, four, seven with the podcasts and, and video stuff uh, put out a thing earlier today on Twitter about, the lack of energy on the Clemson, uh, you know, sideline coming out of the locker room compared to Georgia. He was at the game and, you know, it just how different those two teams looked coming out of the locker room. One looked jacked up and ready to go. And Clemson, who was always very businesslike under Dabo Sweeney, we've seen it at bowl games and, and in the playoff. But you'd think to start a season, new quarterback, you're at this big game, you know, there'd be more juice. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I don't think either of these teams, regardless of the result, was going to be out of it, like I said. But, yeah, Clemson's certainly got some work to do. You know, I think, like I said before, I think if you're an Ohio State fan, seeing that, knowing what Clemson's program has been, you feel okay about getting out 1-0 against a, what I still think will be a pretty good Minnesota side. Let's close the show talking about some other uh, action across college football. And you can mention a, another a, a game that I leave off here, but Bama looked like the juggernaut that uh, we thought they would be. As you mentioned, they looked even better than I thought they would. Um, and I thought Miami might be overrated, but still Bama just blew the doors off of them. Oklahoma did not blow the doors off Tulane. Oklahoma survived against Tulane. Oklahoma 40, Tulane 35. How about that? The Sooners just getting by with a five-point win over Tulane. Washington, who Michigan will play this uh, coming week in Ann Arbor. Initially, Washington was favored in that game. Now Michigan's a four-and-a-half-point favorite because Washington managed to lose to FCS Montana. 
And then, of course, last night, Notre Dame in overtime, squeaking best uh, Florida State. What was it 38-35 or 41-38? Uh, Notre Dame by a field goal over Florida State in overtime last night. Just your thoughts on some of those games. Yeah, you said it. Alabama looked like a juggernaut. Um, you know, I think it's it's – at this point through week one, and again, I want to remind people, it's only week one. A lot will change throughout the course of the season. Teams will get better. Injuries will happen, things like that. But Alabama looks like a class of their own uh, in, in, in this year's college football. Um, you know, that program just rolls. Yeah, the Oklahoma game really surprised me. I had it on. I ended up switching over um, I, when the Oregon game started and then saw that it got close again. So switched it, switched it back on a different TV just to watch the end. Um, you know, it seemed, I mean, they started slow and then they seemed to get it going. <laughs> it was funny on the, on the uh, halftime show of the noon Fox game, you know, it was struggles for another top 10 team, but by halftime they were up by 20. So were they really struggling? And then turns out in the second half they did, um, you know, I was surprised with Spencer Rattler's play. He didn't look like the Heisman trophy favorite a lot in that game. Uh, you know, so the, the big takeaways I had from week one and again, week one, Pac-12 and ACC just just look rough. You know, North Carolina loses. Uh, you mentioned Washington. The Ducks struggled. USC looked good, uh, I guess. But it was it was not a good week for those two conferences. Uh, you know, so it, it'll be interesting. Things are going to change, like I said. But, um, yeah, it's just fun to have football on. It was nice, uh, you know, as someone in the media to just be able to watch this weekend, given that the game was on Thursday and not have to worry about that. I don't get many of those days. I know you don't either. So, Fun to be able to do that. And uh, yeah, just a fun weekend in general. But uh, yeah, those were some of my takeaways. We'll get one more this year, my friend. Ohio State's bye week. We'll get one more. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Just sitting back and just, I mean, man, I, I still have the dent in my chair here just from sitting and watching college football <laughs> so much on Saturday. It was fantastic. Great stuff from Patrick Murphy. Really appreciate you jumping on here with me, my friend. Great insights. Thank you very much to Patrick. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone enjoys their Labor Day. Let's hear the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Oh.